Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Class action, nothing personal word of the day for Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. Four twos is your day today. And the biggest story that is going to come from the NFL this year, including the Super Bowl, including Tom Brady retiring, was a bombshell lawsuit dropped on not a random Tuesday, alleging that there is racial discrimination from all of the white owners toward the minority coaching candidates in the National Football League. Epic. I want to break it down because this is not sports news. This is business news. This is socially relevant news. This is not just CBS, ESPN. This is every channel covering it. And I want to explain a few things. Most importantly, Brian Flores with the courage to lead a lawsuit. I want to start with him. He is a head coach, a black head coach who was fired by the Miami Dolphins three years into a five-year deal after two winning seasons. After he's fired, the Miami Dolphins did a campaign, a PR campaign to make him look not just incompetent, but difficult to work with, not a team player. And everyone was curious why the Dolphins were doing that, wondering if they were trying to save face for making this unbelievably unpopular coaching change. Brian Flores was a candidate for almost all of the head coaching openings this offseason in the NFL, and nine of 32 teams made coaching changes after this past season. With three vacancies still left and pending interviews, a 58-page lawsuit was filed in federal court in the Southern District which is in Manhattan. So Brian Flores got two lawyers together, two different firms. One is a large plaintiff's firm and wrote down why he believes he's got what's called a class action case. A class action is when you believe an entire group of people have been harmed by the same act of another person and or entity. A class action is when you believe that you are starting something that will be finished in court with damages, not just to you, but to everybody who's been wronged. You have to identify those who have been wronged. Brian Flores claims that black head coaches, black head coaching candidates, any black person who's trying to be an offensive or defensive coordinator or a general manager or any position not owner in the National Football League should be a part of this class And he wants to effectuate change, the likes of which has been attempted by the NFL for years and decades. 
has been attempted by this country for years, decades, and centuries, but has yet to come to fruition. To say that he's fighting an uphill battle in this class action lawsuit is to give you one of the great understatements in legal history. This is not to say that he is wrong. It's not to say that he's not bringing to life things that are actually happening. And it's not to say that there aren't things contained in this lawsuit that are incredibly relevant to the National Football League and to the integrity of the National Football League. But in terms of a class action lawsuit alleging racial discrimination, he's got a very uphill battle. The uphill battle will start with a judge who will have to certify whether or not this class actually exists. That is a legal step. And my view is that there is no class that actually exists that will be able to prove specific damages. Having one black head coach out of 32 may be wrong. It may not may not be representative but it does not prove that owners acted, all of them, because he didn't sue one team. He sued 32 teams and the NFL. To allege that all 32 teams in the National Football League worked and fomented racial discriminatory practices by the hiring of white coaches, again, it may be true, very hard to prove. But that is not what Roger Goodell is thinking about today. Roger Goodell wants you to think that he's focused on diversity. Roger Goodell, in a statement after this lawsuit was filed yesterday, decided with his lawyers and his PR people that his focus was going to be on diversity and how critical diversity is to NFL and its owners. Roger Goodell wants you to look at the end zones at the Super Bowl and at all other games. He wants you to look at the back of the helmets the players wear. He wants you to look at the phrases and words as a show of proof that not just the NFL doesn't practice discrimination, but the opposite, they're trying themselves to draw attention to discriminatory practices and change them. That's what Roger wants you to think. But you know what Roger's really doing today? Roger Goodell has a team of lawyers and a team of PR strategists, and they're trying to figure out whether or not the other things that Brian Flores is alleging in the lawsuit are true. Brian Flores had an interview scheduled with the New York Giants on a Thursday. And on Monday, three days prior, he got a text from Bill Belichick congratulating him on getting the Giants job. Brian Flores responded, I haven't interviewed for the Giants job yet. And after a little bit of a back and forth, Brian Flores said, hey, Bill, and I'm not quoting directly, hey, Bill, I could quote directly because it's in the lawsuit that's public, 58 pages. Hey, Bill, are you talking to Brian Flores or Brian Dable? Because I'm Brian Flores. Bill Belichick responded, the same thing that you respond when you send a text to the person you're not trying to send it to and you try to climb through the phone, grab it, take it back and pray to God. It's like sending an email, then sending up a follow-up email, please delete. 
How many of you delete an email that you're told to delete before reading it or a text that you're told to delete before reading it? Nobody. This is confidential. Don't read this. Sent to the wrong person. There's this email thing where you can actually take back the email in an email by saying, don't read that. Of course, it doesn't work. Bill Belichick said, I effed up. I didn't realize it was you. Sorry. And Brian Flores said, so am I. Brian Flores then went to the interview with the Giants, called it a sham interview in the lawsuit, which has nothing to do with race. It has to do with the fact that the Giants were following protocol of the Rooney rule, which we've discussed on Nothing Personal, which requires minority candidates to be interviewed prior to hiring a GM or a head coach or a coordinator. And those interviews very often are shams. And the reason they are shams is that owners and presidents prior to the interview process know who they want to hire. I've told you that. I've told you that in my hiring 15 managers, many of whom were minority, and I made up the number 15, but that sounds right. Maybe it's fewer. Coca could do the count if he wanted. Didn't matter to me what color anyone was. I knew who we were hiring, and I knew that if we were hiring a white person, we had to interview minorities. The exception came in 2004 when we made Jack McKeon our permanent manager without having interviewed anyone else because Jack McKean came in as the interim in 2003, replacing the fire Jeff Torborg. We got an exception from Bud Selig. After Jack McKean, we went on to hire different managers. The point here being the number of sham interviews that I personally conducted is numerous. And the reason I did it is that I did not want to be subject to a fine or in violation of the Selig rule. There are 32 teams in the NFL who feel the exact same way and do the exact same thing. That doesn't mean that I am racist. It doesn't mean that I discriminate. It means that I hire who I think is best and most qualified to lead my team at that particular moment in that particular year. However, when you blatantly disregard the Selig rule or the Rooney rule, and you don't get prior permission for that blatant disregard, you are going to get in trouble. The New York Giants are being discussed by Roger Goodell right now. He's on the phone to John Mara, telling him that you're going to get fined because we're going to investigate and we're going to have to find you guilty of conducting a sham interview. Get a statement ready because you're going to be fined. It's going to cost you a pick because we cannot let Anybody believe that the Rooney rule has no teeth? I have now outlined the biggest problem the NFL has. They're trying to sell you something that is blatantly untrue, and they're going to double down trying to convince you that by punishing the Giants, that the Rooney rule is significant and serious. The next thing contained in the lawsuit that is getting an unbelievable amount of attention is that Brian Flores is claiming that Stephen Ross during the 2019 season actually offered $100,000 to Brian Flores for every loss. When I read that, 
I thought two things. One, that has nothing to do with discrimination. It is not criminal. I guess I could argue, you know, Coca, come to think of it. There could be a prosecutorial entity who could look at what Stephen Ross did and say that he committed a fraud across state lines because I'm sure they had road games. And that could end up in federal court as a criminal conduct. But it's not going to happen. It's not discriminatory. It's not criminal. But it goes to the competitive integrity of the game. Roger Goodell is with his PR people and lawyers saying, what do we do with Stephen Ross? How do we handle the fact that this tanking, which is an issue in football, it's an issue in baseball. When you know a team is tanking, do the gamblers know it? Are the lines that are made for those games reflective of the possibility of tanking? Are the players still trying to win in a season when the team is tanking, but they're just not good enough to win? Is the coach trying to win, but he's not good enough to win? If it is proven, and it can be so easily proven, Brian Flores is on the circuit today. You're going to see him. He started at CBS this morning. Not that. CBS will get very pissed off, Coca. Just cut that and go ready for 669. Brian Flores is on CBS Mornings this morning. He's going to other networks as well. He was asked point blank about the allegation of the $100,000 payment. Brian Flores acknowledged, but there was no follow-up. It's very simple follow-up if you're a journalist and you actually want to get this story. Do you have bank records that show? that you received $100,000 for the last two games you lost out of five at the end of the 2019 season? Do you have anything in writing of a deal, of an extra deal side codicil of your contract that calls for the $100,000 bonus? Do you have bank statements that show any receipt, tax records, filings that show increased income over your contractual amount that's not investment income? Because if you're going to allege that Stephen Ross is telling you to lose, Stephen Ross may very well have owned his last game as the owner of the Miami Dolphins. And that is not hyperbole. The NFL is today worried about money that comes from DraftKings, FanDuel, CBS, ESPN, NBC. And the underlying most critical part of those broadcast deals is that those watching believe that both sides are attempting to win that particular game by the particular spread. It's going to be fascinating what comes next. I want to take a minute to step in the shoes knowing that I can't to give you a point of view that as a white person, I cannot give with certainty, but I can certainly tell you what I believe other black coaches and black coaching candidates in the NFL may be thinking. I can certainly give you an example of the risks that are inherent in joining a class action suit like this. 
Brian Flores will not be a head coach in the NFL again. Period. There is not one team that will hire Brian Flores again. You can't sue me and then ask me to hire you. No matter how right you are, no matter how racist a team may be or an owner may be, implicit, explicit, I will not hire an employee who has sued me. I've had plenty of employees sue for wrongful termination, want money. They're not going to be hired by me again. If you stand up and hold hands with Brian Flores, what you are saying is your coaching career is over. So who is likely to do it? How do you go sit with your family and say, I have chosen to become part of history at the expense of the only way I know how to provide for you? Brian Flores has two years of his deal left with the Dolphins. He knows very well that he will not coach again. But who is going to be with him? Well, people are rumored saying, why not call Hugh Jackson? He's a perfect example of a former NFL coach who didn't get a second chance. Again, part of the class action lawsuit saying when minority coaches are hired, they're hired with different contractual terms. When they're fired, they're not given a second chance. You can ask Willie Randolph in baseball about that. Hugh Jackson has come out with some comments. And the reason I want to give Hugh Jackson airtime on this show is that I want to make it clear that Hugh Jackson knows going in, he's never going to be a head coach in the NFL. He knows he had his chance. He's at Grambling State right now. But the number of people who would be willing to throw away their careers, in my opinion, is de minimis. Kimberlyn DeMert, the executive director of the Hugh Jackson Foundation, put out a statement that said, congratulations, Brian Flores, for your bravery. We have records that will help your case. DM me. NFL and NFL Commission knew about this and covered it up. The Browns did this. Paid Brown, D. Podesta, and Barry bonus money, along with Hugh Jackson, to tank in 2016 and 17. Why hasn't Hugh disclosed everything? Under an NFL gag order and a Roger Goodell gag order. Hugh Jackson said, I stand with Brian Flores. I can back up every word I'm saying. Take a breath and be Roger Goodell right now. Does he have multiple teams who are paying money? To tank? I've got a story for you. My story goes back to Montreal, detour Coca, because I just thought of this. My story goes back to Montreal when I got into baseball in 1999 as executive vice president of the Montreal Expos. The managing partner of the Montreal Expos before Jeffrey Lurie took over was a man named Claude Brochu. Claude Brochu represented a bunch of Canadian limited partners. He had a small stake in the team, but he was the general partner of the partnership that contained many billionaire French Canadians. Claude Brochu had a contract to be the general partner. I remember getting Claude Brochu's contract as part of discovery, which is due diligence, really, when you are looking to buy an asset. 
Claude Brochu had a contract that he would get paid bonuses based on the team and its profitability and its cash flow. Do you know what it takes for a team to be cash flow positive? Losing games, having a low payroll. Take a look at the Montreal Expos payroll in 98 and 99 and recognize that Claude Brochu got paid extra money because his team made money because that was in his contract. Does that mean the Expos were trying to win? No. Were they the original tanker? Mm, maybe. Although I would say the Marlins were tanking after they won the 97 World Series. I wasn't there. What does baseball do about contractual provisions that incentivize executives to lose? There's nothing other than a salary floor. But what do you do when you incentivize a coach to lose those games? You pass a rule if you're the NFL that tanking isn't allowed. You can't do that. You pass a rule in the NFL that there will not be compensation tied to performance. You can't do that because compensation is tied to performance on the upside. Coaches get extensions. Coaches get paid more money. GMs get paid more money when their team wins, when that's the directive of the owner. When the owner has directed you to lose and you lose, you've done your job and you get bonuses. How many of you in your jobs get bonuses? You get bonuses for doing what you're supposed to do. For Brian Flores to be told to lose games and not lose them purposefully is insubordination. For Hugh Jackson to have a bonus provision and be told to tank and choose not to lose games is insubordination. For Hugh Jackson not to do anything in his best interest to get those bonuses is downright stupidity. So then the NFL can't address Hugh Jackson or Brian Flores. They have to go higher. They have to go to the owner of the team. But what do you say? What rule in the NFL franchise charter or the Major League Baseball charter was violated by telling your coach to not win games, by incentivizing your coach to not win games? There's no rule anywhere when I was a part of not an owner, but president of a team. I saw every contract because I signed every one of them. I signed everything with Major League Baseball because there are scores of agreements you have to sign when you buy a team. And as president, I was charged with reading them and signing them along with Wayne Katz, my lawyer from Proskauer. Wayne Katz, the best sports lawyer in the country, by the way. Not one place was there a provision that says, by signing this document, you have agreed to win as many games as possible. By signing this document, you have agreed not to tie compensation with any executive to profitability. By signing this agreement, you have agreed not to attempt to get the first pick in the draft. It's nowhere. If the NFL wants to stop this from happening, they're going to have to institute a rule going forward. And that's not going to be a rule that the owners are going to want to pass because owners know that sometimes losing leads to future winning. Baseball owners know the same thing, which is why you've got a lockout dealing with certain tanking issues, because I own a company. I know what's best for the company, sometimes more so than the employees. I recognize all 
players want to win. So, well, you know what? I could argue that most players don't care about winning, but I don't want to argue that point, at least not today. But I certainly can argue that Stephen Ross has a problem of his own making that will be dealt with in an ex post facto way after the fact. Could that cause him to lose his franchise? He may fight that if that is the final decision by Roger Goodell and the other 31 owners. But there will be fall men. This is an example where John Gruden was a fall guy for the emails. There will be a fall franchise and a fall owner for what has been alleged in the Brian Flores lawsuit. So Roger Goodell sits there today with his lawyers figuring out, speaking to the Jerry Joneses and his inside circle of owners, figuring out who are we blaming, how are we blaming, and when are we blaming? Those are three separate questions that require three separate answers. When there is a pending lawsuit, you have to be very careful with what you say and when you say it. And I was shocked that the New York Giants were so quick to dismiss the sham interview Rooney rule violation in a hastily written statement that merely said we hired the right most qualified person for the job and Brian Flores was a candidate until the 11th hour. Interesting choice of words, lawyers for the Tish and Mara. What's the definition of the 11th hour? Well, three days before. That's not the 11th hour. The 11th hour is another word for the last minute. The Giants had no particular reason to release that statement. The Dolphins had no particular reason to release the statement they did. The statement saying that the allegations are meritless, obviously, that they never did any of these things. No tampering. I didn't even get to in this segment about tampering, which Brian Flores alleges happened. Ironically, Brian Flores was tampering with Deshaun Watson, and now the Dolphins were tampering with Tom Brady, BFD, right? Tampering's going on all the time. We will defend against these claims, which are without merit. Coca said to me, preparing for the show, which made me smile, because there are a lot of people, Coca, not just producers, there are a lot of on-air talent who are saying the same thing. They're saying, how can you say so quickly that the claims are without merit if you just read the 58-page lawsuit? I did that all the time. That's page four of the statement template. When you get a statement, when you get a lawsuit filed against you, you say, hey, I haven't seen it if you haven't been officially served. And then you say, even if I have seen it, they're without merit. That's just fine. It doesn't mean they're without merit. It just means that you have to say that. But don't worry about that, Coca. That's not a big focus. There are people who tweeted me and asked me whether or not Steve Ross will be forced to sell. I believe that is a very real possibility because they will need to have a large, significant fall guy for this. But it is very tough to get the votes to force an owner to sell because then you've got the owner of the Browns saying to mine next. You've got the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, Mark Davis, saying next time it's going to be me. So getting the votes to force a sale is difficult when you do not do something on tape that is without the ability to disprove. And of course, I'm talking about Bernie, Bernie, Donald Sterling and the Clippers. All the allegations against Steve Ross or he said, he said, assuming there's no paper trail. 
if Steve Ross or anyone under him or Brad, Mike Brown and Paul DePodesta with the Browns, any of them were dumb enough to put in email the way Hugh Jackson is saying that he's got proof. If there is a paper trail of this $100,000 bonus offered to, on a per game basis to Steve Ross, if there is proof what the Browns did with Hugh Jackson, the NFL will have no choice but to act and they'll act with fines, loss of draft picks over multiple franchises. I want to point out one other thing that is going on today when all this was happening. And that is that Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh is the head of the Michigan Wolverines, the head coach, and he is rumored to be going to Minnesota. And I've told you on this show that that is all a ruse that he is going to be the Dolphins head coach. And that was the plan. In my opinion, that is no longer the plan. I do not believe that Jim Harbaugh would want to come anywhere near coaching the Miami Dolphins. I believe that he is going to Minnesota, as is being reported, in order to get that head coaching job. But even the Vikings have a problem. And this is what Roger Goodell will deal with. There was rumors yesterday that Jim Harbaugh was going to Minnesota just to sign his deal, that the deal is done with the Vikings. Credible rumors from white checkmarked people. However, yesterday, the Vikings conducted an interview with the Giants defensive coordinator who's black, Patrick Graham, a minority coach, therefore satisfying the Rooney rule when it is more likely than not that they had a deal in place for Jim Harbaugh. Now, let me talk about something incredibly uncomfortable. Do you think that the Wilf family, the owners of the Minnesota Vikings, having full intention to hire Jim Harbaugh, will pivot to hiring Patrick Graham or another minority coach because they get a call from Roger Goodell saying, we cannot have a white coach hired after this lawsuit has been filed. You must hire a minority coach. Or do the three remaining openings go to white coaches and then that is more fuel to the fire and narrative that minority coaches are underrepresented. It is a no-win situation. Get ready for this for the minority coaches. Patrick Graham, if hired, or any minority coach, if hired now, will walk into that locker room with media, fans, and players, whether they admit it or not, looking at that coach and saying, were you the most qualified? Or did you get hired because of your color? That is the $64,000 issue with the racial discrimination suit, with the Rooney rule, with the Selig rule. I've had many conversations with my black president of baseball operations, Mike Hill, who never wanted to be the beneficiary of the Selig rule. He wanted to be hired because he was the best qualified to lead our baseball team. And that's why he was our president of baseball operations. It is a very difficult position to be put in. And I cannot tell you that I know what it's like to be put in that position because I will never be able to be put in that position. I will never be a black person vying for a job wondering whether or not I got that job because of my color. 
of course, you could say to me, but David, you got your original job with the Expos because of nepotism. You were the son, stepson of the owner. How did that make you feel? And I've told you on nothing personal that I spent 18 years overcorrecting for that fact. I spent 18 years proving myself that I was the best, the most qualified, the longest tenured, and the most successful on and off the field president in baseball. I spent 18 years trying to prove myself, and you all mistook it for a Napoleon complex. You got it wrong. It was a nepotism complex. And nepotism doesn't belong in the same stadium, in the same hemisphere as a racial discriminatory, am I here because of my color complex? I don't carry the weight of hundreds of years of slavery discrimination and all of the ways that black people have been discriminated against throughout time. My weight was insignificant. It was minuscule. It was a blip, a grain of sand in Carl Sagan's earth. But what about the next black head coach? What about the weight on his shoulders? So what do you do now? Do you not take the job when offered? When you know very well, it could be your only opportunity to be at one of 32 head coaches. And that if you win games, then you'll have the opportunity to stay and have a career. Or do you join Brian Flores' lawsuit and say, I'll never be a head coach again, ever. And if I am, everyone will wonder whether I deserve to be, and that will render me ineffective from the get-go. What a dilemma. And we did it. We did it to them. All owners, presidents, every single one of us has put minorities in that position by the way we have acted throughout the course of history. Will Brian Flores' class action lawsuit survive in court? That's not what matters. Will it survive in the way that work is done and that people are hired across football, sports, and other industries? Will this finally be the time is this the inflection point that we spent so much time during the George Floyd and all of the systemic inequality and injustice and all the issues that took place in all the sports? Is this finally the moment? What would make this different? Watch one white owner be forced to sell and you'll see for yourself. I'm going to give you a way to see based on that. The Dolphins are going to lose picks and their draft in their draft. And the fine that the Dolphins will get will be greater than the Washington football team's fine, which I believe was $10 million. But Steve Ross will not be forced to sell his team. There will be much more on this class action lawsuit as it proceeds. There'll be much more as the NFL and Major League Baseball and the NBA and the NHL and every sport and business figures out what to do now, given the reality that this lawsuit has again brought to light. And we'll have it all for you on Nothing Personal. When we come back, we'll review a movie and we'll talk about the Washington football team. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you. This has been a a show, an extraordinary show, and I don't mean because it was great, because you'll be the judge of that with your downloads and whether you're rating, reviewing, and following and growing Nothing Personal. The reason I knew this was a big story is when CBS called immediately and put me on the air, when Lebetard called immediately and put me on the air, because this transcends sports, business, and color. This could be history. However, it was a Tuesday, and I still watched a movie. I watch a movie every day. I watched Nightmare Alley yesterday. It came out on HBO Max. Starring Bradley Cooper, directed by God, Coca. <laughs> okay. Going through the show, Coca said to me, it was not directed by Benicio Del Toro. And I said, I know that's the actor who I love and I've met in Vegas at a blackjack table several times. It's Guillermo Del Toro, who did Pan's Labyrinth, who did The Shape of Water, and now has done Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Alley is about Carney's. It's about Bradley Cooper, who is an individual who has a sordid past, who becomes a mentalist, and his journey as a mentalist. There are more Academy Award winners and nominees in this movie. It violates the rule that too many stars leads to a bad movie. David Strather and Tony Collette, Kate Blanchett, Willem, Willem Dafoe, Ron Perlman, the guy from Buster Scruggs, the le- whose name I forgot, who appears at the end, Tim Blake Nelson, I believe is his name. And of course, Rooney Mara of the Mara family and Bradley Cooper. What I would be interested to tell you about this movie is that Guillermo del Toro is one of the most artsy, fascinating directors of our time. The cinematography, the production design, the lighting, the script, the acting. It all pays off in the final scene of the movie, which in 2021 for the Academy Awards, it's the best ending 
the most impactful ending, the most difficult ending, the scariest ending, and I don't mean horror because I don't do horror, but the most important ending that will make you think that is it destiny what my life will become? Do I control its outcome? Do I have a chance to change my path? Nightmare Alley, please check it out. We still do picks of the day every day. We had the Bucks minus 11 and a half over the Wizards. The Bucks having lost by 36 to the Nuggets. Were you concerned by chance when the Bucks were up four with four minutes to go? I was not. The Bucks won by 14. We're 14 and 13. We've got John Morant going tonight at Coca. Is John Morant playing tonight? Is the line still Grizzlies minus three and a half at, on the road against the Knicks? Because if John Morant is playing, then we're taking him. I guess we have to just say we're taking them, don't we? All right. Grizzlies, three and a half over the Knicks. Well, breaking news, it's February 2nd. Wait to see when we tell you something's going to happen. When it happens, we tell you it happened. When it doesn't happen, we tell you it didn't happen. We have accountability on this show, and that's why your relationship with me and my relationship with you is so important. I told you that the Washington football team would not be the Washington football team in 2022. I don't remember what date I said it because Coca didn't tell me and he keeps track of this stuff. Well, this morning, the Washington football team made an announcement as scheduled on 2-2-22 that they are now known. Get ready. Unbelievable. They shocked the world. They are the Washington Commanders. G-M-A-B. Now, I've got sympathy for Dan Snyder in one regard. Believe me, in only one regard. Keeping a team name change and a color scheme change and a uniform change, keeping it from being leaked is 100% impossible. The news that the Washington Commanders where the Washington Commanders was not released by Daniel Snyder today. It was released by people weeks ago when they found commanders.com as owned and operated by an entity that was connected to WFT. Confirmed last night when a helicopter flew over FedEx Field. It's not FedEx Field. What's the name of the field in, in Washington, Coca? It may be FedEx Field. Went and saw that the team store had commander's stuff in it. Because when you announce a name change, you start selling your stuff immediately. You don't do what the Cleveland Guardians did and have a fight over the name after you release it. You know when you release a name that you own it, you've got the domain name ready to go, meaning the website, and you are ready to sell product. In order to sell product, that product has to be made by official licensees. When you are a reporter looking for a name change and uniform change, do you know who your sources are? They're the people who work for those companies, those apparel companies who send you a photo saying, you're not supposed to see this, but this is the new uniform for the football team. This is the new logo for the baseball team. Do you know that New Era had the Marlins cap way before 11-11-11, which is when we became the Miami Marlins? I mean, way before. Of course it got leaked. Do you know that we leaked the wrong hat? to try to fool you all. If you go back and look at the Miami Marlins and their release in uh, 2011, there were a bunch of things leaked, but the exact one, it was out there, but we made enough choices so you weren't sure until it got released. There is no way 
in the world that you can stop discovery of your name. However, don't do it to yourself. All you have to do is cover the windows of the team store and have a great unveiling like opening the curtain to your team store when the doors open and this morning's announcement could have had some meaning. There are people out there saying the NFL planned this because they wanted some good news to come. No, this was planned months and months ago. Dan Snyder called Roger Goodell and said, can we still go for Roger Goodell said, of course, because you have to, you have to get uniforms out there. You have to start selling things. So there was going to be no change in the timeline. Everything Super Bowl related is going to continue exactly on time. I promise you that. There will still be media availability. The Washington commanders will still be forced to sit before the House committee tomorrow. Remember, they are the, the Congress is investigating the Washington commanders. I'm going to call them the Washington football team Anders or the Washington Redcoms red or the skin command. Ooh, is that that's like the Johnny Hill website from knocked up the Washington skin commanders. They're going to be in front of Congress tomorrow as scheduled. The NFL will do everything on the Super Bowl uh, timeline as scheduled. The teams will be told what to respond and how to respond to inquiries about the lawsuit, about the hearings in Congress. Bullet points and talking points will be given, but the focus will not be on the game the way it should, and that drives Roger Goodell crazy. But will any of this that we've talked about today, bungling of a team name, minor, a coach going to the Vikings after a minority coach was interviewed, how will that work? Well, Roger Goodell is scared of one thing only. And I want to end the show by giving you a roadmap to what could actually make the difference. Because there's nothing Roger Goodell can do to make owners act differently. There is no amount of fine, no amount of loss of draft picks, even forcing an owner to sell. That's not going to make the Rooney rule be followed. The lack of representation amongst head coaches, GMs, and offensive and defensive coordinators will not be cured by the Brian Flores lawsuit. There will be no impact at all. Do you want to know how the impact comes? The same way that Daniel Snyder was forced to act with the Washington Redskins when his top sponsors and limited partners said to him, we're done with you. We will not allow FedEx to be associated with your Stadium, how would it be for CBS and ESPN and NBC to call up Roger Goodell today and say, we're not going to broadcast the Super Bowl. We're not going to broadcast your games. You're in violation of provisions of your contract. We want to pay you $1 billion fewer per year. Well, that would make Roger Goodell stand up and take notice, wouldn't it? But that's not even the number one way. You want to know how there can be change? Every member of the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals, who are the representatives of the AFC and NFC, not respectively in the Super Bowl on February 13th, chooses to be somewhere else on that day and not in L.A. Can you imagine for one second if the players united together, 
The players are the ones with the largest voice. The players are the ones with the power. And if you are going to go after power, you better bring power with you. The power is with the players. Do they have the guts, the intestinal fortitude to not play in a Super Bowl? What would the NF do? What would the NF cut that four six sixty nine? What would the NFL do if the players decided not to boycott Media Day and just get fined, but to boycott the game? They'd be in violation of their contracts. The NFL would be able to terminate their contracts. They'd be sacrificing money, fame, bonuses, future employment. Are they willing to do it? Colin Kaepernick took a knee. He was alone. A few players joined him. Not enough to be a blip. Didn't cause any distraction because 59 million, 120 million people, everybody betting billions of dollars. Everybody went on with their day like it was nothing. How do you make a difference when you don't let people do what they want to do? People want to watch a Super Bowl. They want to bet on the Super Bowl. You take that away. You've started to make the difference. Who's willing to put racial discrimination, minority hiring, and all of the ills that have been bestowed upon black people for centuries? Who's willing to put it ahead of their own self-interest? Get ready. Stand up. Can you imagine if in under two weeks, the NFL and the players decide that at this moment in history, they will put business aside and make this personal? Wait to see. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.